0: hi everyone welcome back to foreign connect Uh, today we have a pretty interesting guest from london Uh, his name is Liam purvis i hope i'm pronouncing his name correctly he is a chief information officer of london based uh, risk management company Um, he also has his own podcast where he talks all about digital transformation he worked as an advisor consultant Uh, he also right now he works as chief information officer uh, so that being said, he has many, many experience, uh, he said more than 20 years of experience working in the digital transformation space. So we had a really interesting conversation about what the digital transformation is, how can businesses use that and implement that to increase their efficiency and uh, make the business more cost effective. So uh, I hope you learn from today's episode and let us know how you think. Enjoy. So today I wanted to invite you to talk about digital transformation because this is an idea that's still pretty new to a lot of Japanese companies here. Can you kind of describe uh, where you work right now? What have you done in your career?
1: So I'm currently the CIO for a company called Hilo Maritime Risk Mm. um, and that is a software as a service company. We offer a product to the the shipping companies where we take uh, their commercially sensitive data and we transform that into um, actionable information for using a risk model. Um, Prior to that I've been in banking and real estate, um, all of which have had this undertone of taking um, a business problem and using some sort of technology with people um, to solve it, to make the business run more efficiently or more effectively. Um, And that's really the sort of guise of digital transformation for me is is changing a business using something technology-based to help people to do their work better.
0: Nice. So... I'm gonna have a more specific questions for you. So given your experience, it sounds like you had, I saw that your bio said uh, you had already 20, 20 years of experience in this space, right? So uh, that said, I wanted to ask you, like I assume that you probably saw the digital transformation happening in the various function within the business. Um, so can you help us understand in what function of business can we use digital transformation, whether it's sales, marketing, whatever?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to to really where the problems are. And, and a business itself, uh, you know, the people involved in it will need to identify where their problems are. Uh, a good example was was one that I did recently, you know, the last couple of years at least, where there was an employee survey, and the survey came out that there was a very uh, large unhappiness with internal IT. Mm-hmm. Um, very bad perception um, you know there was no felt like there was no support from IT and obviously that's quite important mm-hmm. um, and that led to to us building uh, a portal that helped users get get to things a lot easier because one mm-hmm. of the challenges was it was a very complicated environment in order to do things and and even though the tools were digital mm-hmm. um, they weren't very user-friendly and and um user-enabling, you almost felt like you needed to get a new degree in order to use these tools.
0: Wow. <laughs> um,
1: so, so the idea was to build something on top of that, that made things very simple. And, and what did that mean practically? Uh, if you wanted to add or remove software um, for your own work, it mm-hmm. was a very complicated form that has to be filled out, probably 27, 30 fields that has to be captured, um, which if you didn't know the answers to, means you get stuck and you couldn't do anything. Um, we replaced that with a one-click button. Um, so that's sometimes digital transformation is just about making life easier by mm. removing other complexity. Mm. Um, another option or another example, at least was something I did back in real estate, uh, where a project that was, um, to provide. So, so the real estate business had multiple divisions,
0: um,
1: valuations, building construction, uh, property asset management, etc. So think of the full life cycle of, of building. Um, and what they were trying to do is optimize, um, following a sort of a lean six sigma approach where um, you you shift the work to the least least costing resource and in order to do that they needed to provide some sort of technology uh, Mm -hmm. solution and and the first step to that was an inspection tool and the idea behind this was that if you had a valuation person or a property asset management or a facilities person visiting a building if they know what questions to ask and they know what pictures to take Mm-hmm. you don't need to send three different business people there. You can send one business person there and they can get the same anywhere. Everyone else can leverage that information. Um, and that worked really well. So you would have, you know, a questionnaire that would be run um, every week, you'd have a questionnaire that was run every month. And if whoever was there, if they were there at that stage, would run that questionnaire regardless of what their skill set was. Cause most of these, these guys are professionals. They're certified um, with the, with, um, I can't remember the name of it. The, there was a certain, certain uh, building certification they had to have, so they would know what to look for, mm-hmm. and that was a really clever idea in the sense that if you had a, um, a valuations person go there they would they would get their information, but they'd also get the other information and you'd by by collecting it you could enrich it with other information so we start taking away manual work from people and using technology to solve that problem so for example, getting um, map maps information or uh, tube status information at that time where the information at that time to enrich that data as it's been captured So when they have to write a report, they've got that information in context and they've got everyone else's information That's been there as well. Um, so very a very clever idea
0: I see so um, I kind of got two follow-up questions mm-hmm. to what you said um, So when the company needs to identify the problem how much did you get involved in like finding the problem or yeah, finding the problem? Like, what what is the sign for a company to know? Like this is something that we can fix with digital transformation.
1: Um, Yeah. So that's normally under a process called ideation. Um, Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? That means basically getting people to send you people in the business to send ideas in all the time uh, Mm -hmm. or complain. You know, complaints are the best way to find problems. Yeah. Uh, the, and, the, and the more you hear about it, at some point, there's mm-hmm. got to be a a, um, a, a workshop or, or something that says, these are the problems we're hearing about. How do we solve these problems? So the minute you have that starting point, you might have, you know, 100 100 problems. You might have 10 problems. You might have five problems. Um, might have one problem. But the minute you look at that problem, it's, it's how do you solve it? And, and that how may not rely on technology. It could just be a process change or it could be a people change. I mean, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're running out of capacity, you might just hire another person if you've got the finances to do that. Um, or you might look at your your process and, and change the sequence or, or the, the steps in the process. So you could look at something as simple as, as publishing a, a blog. Um, you have an idea, you research the idea and you write a piece and you edit it, then you post it. Um, you could set up, once you've got that idea, you might set up, uh, Google uh, search search words that'll send you an email whenever it finds the, the articles that, that are most read about that post. <laughs> all the, all the, all the, that you know, very basic, it. very mm-hmm. basic thing to do. Um, if I go back to to the inspection tool problem, um, as as each business realised they were sending people to the same building in the same week, mm-hmm. uh, cost associated to that, they realised that if we just send one person there and ask all the right questions, there'd be a huge cost saved to you know. So there's a level of of maturity curve that you go through, um, mm-hmm. you know, solving simple problems to solving complicated problems. Uh, if I go to the the example I gave around the survey, um, that was that was feedback from the business, and that was sort of I don't know how many people re- replied to the survey, but let's say out of a, out of a company of one hundred thirty thousand, it was the second most responded item. Mm-hmm. So you can get out, yeah. get a feel that that the the people that work in the business tell you where the problems are, and then as a leadership, you need to address that Mm. um, versus the balance of the business.
0: So when you work uh, with your company or as a consultant, like at one point can you come in to kind of determine the problem?
1: Um, I can come in from the beginning. Uh, In fact, I prefer to come in not necessarily um, at day zero where they're still trying to figure out what the ideas are, Mm -hmm. uh, but where they've sort of reached their top 10 list or their top five list uh, that's that's usually the best spot for me because at mm. least means they've put the thought into where they want to prioritize their their resources and their funding mm. and then it it goes through the whole process uh and that's to take that idea and, and look at what the possible solutions are and and i I don't come in there as well i try not to at least come in there as the expert that knows all the answers. I come in there trying to understand what they think the solutions would be mm-hmm. and challenge them to fine tune it to say okay you've you've got five solutions. Let's, let's pick the one I want to go with based on some sort of framework.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, could be cost, could be complexity, could be um, time to market, you know, and you've got to balance those things all the time. Mm. Uh, trying to find um, very small snippets to work on that get you towards a vision. And, and the vision is very important. So um, in, the, in the inspection tool, that was just one component of multiple tools. That would be tied together to take the valuations process and make that almost semi-automated. Um, so they could answer a quick, so so a customer could phone and get and ask for a valuation report mm-hmm. and the whole report would be generated based on all the information that was already available. Mm-hmm. And then the person putting the report together, all they had to do was look through that report and go, Okay, I like this, I don't like this, change, whatever. And instead of being a, a six week, seven week long process, they could be doing that in days, if not hours. Um, and there's a huge cost save on that as well. Mm. Um, so so that's, so for me, it's, it's, I get ideally it's say 10% in and then it's all the way through to actually building the, the solution
0: mm. Mm. and then
1: hand the solution over to someone else to operate it.
0: Mm, I see. Well, that's, that's really um, useful. I think that you can offer like a to the kind of package at one. So I said I had two questions, but you kind of answered um, my second question. So I'm just going to move on to the second one, uh, the next question, which is, um, well, can you, you kind of already mentioned this very quickly earlier, but can you give me a few, few examples of successful digital transformation? Um, yeah, so
1: I think the, the inspection tool is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, because that that really, I I like business process optimization, and that was a really nice business process optimization problem. Mm -hmm. Um, The other example I gave you, which was around the the change of perception um, for IT, and the simplification, um, that was really nice for for a couple of reasons. One, we took away the complexity of being able to do things like reset your password in the corporate, uh, order and remove software, um, have access to your approvals because the, the, some of the challenges we had multiple systems to do approvals in, mm. and, and then we really consolidated into one. Mm. But the other piece we added to that was gamification. So we actually scored the end users mm-hmm. to, to on their behaviors within technology. so it, it made it more of a two way street where everyone can complain about IT, but if you 're part of the problem, mm-hmm. you need to know you can solve it. So things like um, you know rebooting your machine giving back devices you're not using, uh, using back software you're not using, those all increased your score in a good way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we had a score for the performance of the tool and that combined score gave you uh, your score. So so it created quite a nice feedback mechanism where the end user could feel like they were part of the solution, not just someone complaining about the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, Some other scenarios that have been really good. uh, In fact, I'll talk about one that wasn't good. Talk Talk about a failure. Um, so many years ago I did a, a project with a bank, Mm -hmm. um, automate their marketing process. So, so to take, um, they want to take a a campaign and basically from start to finish, Mm -hmm. but I, but I never really understood the way that their organization worked. Mm -hmm. It was a good lesson for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and this comes back to sort of how the approach works. So, so they knew what they needed to do They mapped out all the processes Uh, They've been very clear on how they wanted the processes to work. The problem was their processes weren't linear So what what does that mean? If you think about a railway track with a train on it The train can't go to the end station before it's been to the first station. So it has to go station 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 Mm -hmm. The way their process worked is that station could go at any time Uh, their train go in any direction at any time so you need to think more like a, a Land Rover, you know driving on the road it goes off the road when it needs to through the dunes and through the forest to come back onto the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so so they call these things, uh, one is, is sort of the old business process management and the other one is, is case management.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and, and the lesson here was really understanding that those processes were not long processes, but really small, short processes that when you tied them all together, mm-hmm. it became a long process. And that tying together like Lego blocks would work in different shapes and different ways. Um, the other thing to understand was the personas, so that, so that not so much the people involved, but when a person got involved in the process, you needed to know what information they needed in order to do something at that point. So mm. if they were approving something, mm. they would obviously know what they're approving and, and potentially the criteria that they needed to check when they were approving. So it wasn't just a blanket, just click the approve button, but if they were approving a piece of artwork or an expense. Um, that expense may belong to a quote. So you need to see the quote at the same time as you see in the expense to see mm-hmm. that they're aligned. And that's to save people time on trying to find, you know, where was that quote from that vendor, you know, et cetera. So, so it, was a good, it was a good example in the sense that, um, I, I mean, the project in the end failed, mm-hmm. um, but I still walked out of there with a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and we tried, you know, all the things we could to turn around. I think the other thing we learned out of that is as much as the business had mapped out the processes, Mm -hmm. they hadn't really mapped out or we hadn't really figured out the people using the tool part, Mm -hmm. the usability piece very well. Uh, And that was one of the reasons why it struggled is we we kept trying to put these very long processes in and we needed to really break them up.
0: Mm. So that's actually pretty interesting because that lays me another question. Um, You said that uh, you had to have some learning curve there too, right? Um, right? What? what qualities do you th- do you say are well what are the things that company needs to look out for when they want to hire a con- good consultant like you like what are, what are the qualifications that we should look for
1: well well experience is always going to be relative um you know if you look at my, my sort of career i've worked in banking real estate mm-hmm. uh, now i'm in shipping um and the reason why i like to move around industries is because you learn different things from different industries it's like mm-hmm. playing poker you play better poker when you play against different players um i think the the one thing i always look for is is the ratio of listening to speaking um a good consultant will, will listen more than they speak
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and they'll make um attempts to reuse what they've le- what they've heard in trying to understand what the, what in order to understand how to solve the problem so for example um, you need to learn to, to understand the jargon that, that the, person, the people you're talking to speak in mm-hmm. and then you need to, to repeat that back in a way that they go, yes, you've got, you understand what my problem is. Um, and then it's about things like being um, being organized and, and having um, an approach that, that's clear and simple uh, to understand. As much as it can be complicated underneath that, mm-hmm. uh, everyone needs to understand this, the simplest pieces to, to bring them along the journey.
0: Mm, I see. So I think that um well with the process being um uh, well some of those process, digital transformation process could be complicated, like you said, right? Um yeah. and I think as technician or people who are knowledgeable about about the digital transformation versus companies who don't know necessarily like what is going on, right? Like there must be some communication error or communication transfer error, which kind of you addressed how you, um, how you address that problem, right? By repeating and make sure that, you know, you communicate with them in a very organized way. And so that works. But in terms of, you know, operation execution, when it comes to execution, I think that, there must be some sort of like a learning curve also like when is the good time? Do you say like a usual company can expect to start seeing the ROI? If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So, so, and this, and this comes back to that ideation step. So when you are looking at your list of problems and how you want to solve them and and how you organize and let's say not solve them, but, but you're going to look at them and say, how important is this problem to solve? Uh, what do we believe the complexity is for that problem? And, and, and these are all relative scales. You, you, you'll just, you know, this might be a complicated problem. It might have a high value um, to us to resolve it, but from a timing point of view, we don't have the resource or the people to do it. So you, you sort of weigh these things up, and then you'll order your 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 your, your um, items. When you've picked the one to go and solve,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in in doing that, you need to do a business case of some sort. Now. It doesn't have to be a very complicated spreadsheet that takes you you know, seven weeks to put together and figure out. It's usually gonna come back to some sort of metrics. Um, and those metrics could be um, man hours you're gonna save. It could be um, costs you're gonna save by reducing licensing. So I'll give you an example of one company I worked with. They had a very expensive bill with a certain database provider, mm-hmm. sort of half a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. If they change their product to run on a different um, backend, Um, It brought their costs down to about hundred thousand dollars a year But the spend to do that was almost a rewrite of the entire application, which was sort of two million Dollars a year. So the math didn't really work out initially that they would save a lot of money Mm -hmm. And if you looked at their product their product actually wasn't worth rewriting If that makes any sense it was it was a very competitive they had a CRM tool a very competitive um, Space, there's no need to build another CRM tool there's too many out there. But what their value was, was the data they were working with because of what their business was. So, so the, the, the direction of travel was rather, was to leave the, the current product as it was mm-hmm. to an extent. It was to build this new product which focused on the data that they had. Um, there was an investment there, of course. And then while they were doing that, building that new product, they would take the pieces out of the old product that made sense and bring them into the new product, and slowly over time, move the customers across into the new product. As the as as there was polarity between the two products, and then they would basically at some point turn off the old product. Now, it wasn't necessarily the cleanest way of doing it. I mean, it it, it sounds like you're juggling balls, and you are, because you've got to maintain the old product while building the new one. But you've also got to maintain your customer base because they're selling a software as a service. Mm-hmm. But that was the sort of way to do it, and the return on and the return on investment there was was over a couple of years. Um, but if you take it into what I was saying earlier about small snippets, if you do it in small chunks of work, you can see return quite quickly. Are we going in the right direction? Are you, and, and there should be a level of testing that each, at each step. Each time you build something new, you need to test it. And that, that testing is not just functional. If I click the button, does something happen? Mm. But it's showing it to end users, it's showing it to customers. You, know, you, need to, you need the people that are going to use it to give you feedback, because you might find that what you think is the most valuable piece of this technology or tool is actually nothing, no one even knows it's there. Um, and they actually care that, that this other thing that you thought was nothing is, is the most important thing. Mm. So it's, it's, a, it's a consistent uh, interaction backwards and forwards with a cycle of improvement.
0: Interesting. So I'm gonna move on to the final questions that we have, um, which is actually, this is probably one of the biggest question for many companies not right now, because I think the reason so many companies are still kind of stumbling upon, on the idea of like having to make this transition, but they can't necessarily take the first step is because we're scared of things that we don't know. Right. So what are the, I guess my question is like, what is the difficulty do you think businesses face uh, when they first try to make attempts of going digital? And how can they also overcome the fear of facing these problems?
1: So there's a few things. Um, I think the, the, the first thing is ch- change for a lot of people is scary. Yeah. Um, and, and, and often some of those, some of that, that change is because it's an established way of doing things. And, and people say, we've always done it this way and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and There's actually a very nice table, which I'll, I'll try and find and send to you. Hmm. Which is, if you're going to make change, you need to you need to meet these criteria. Things like you need to have a plan, you need to communicate, hmm. um, you need to have. Uh, there's there's a list I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Hmm. But but when I've looked at it in an organisation, that everyone will make it a personal, they'll they'll inflect it personally. So if you start talking about changing a business process, and someone goes, "But that's part of my job," that means I might not have a job.
0: Yeah, hmm.
1: that sort of communication needs to be very clear to people that well, actually. We're going to change this process, but it doesn't mean you're going to lose your job. It means we're going to retrain you mm-hmm. to do this, this new way. In fact, a lot of the time, you're part of changing how you want this to be. So when I, when I worked for um, one of the software vendors, we used to call it the persona approach. And you used to go and sit with the person in the process and look at how they worked every day. So they'd use these tools. Um, let's say it's accounts payable. Um, so the accounts payable means that an invoice comes in they need to check the invoice details correct, they need to allocate it to the supplier, and they need to say if it's approved or not following some sort of process. Um, And then once that's done, it'll get approved and paid. Now, when you look at how they work, you're looking to see things like, do they use the system all the way through, or do they use other systems while they work? So they might have this process where they're looking at the documents, but they could be checking an Excel spreadsheet for a list of, of codes to see if they've got the right coding for the invoice, they might be looking at another system, like a CRM system, to see if they've got the right details for the customer. They might be checking the banking details. All those things might be in different systems. Um, they might have post notes up with all their ch- tips and tricks to, to get around the system, because that often happens. And when you look at sol- solving this solution, but that, well, the solution just might be changing certain things, not necessarily changing the whole technology. Um, you need to encompass that in, in your solution. So when you make the people part of that process, and they actually feel like they are part of the solution, your change issues are a lot less. Um, but communication is key in all of this. And and it's an honest communication. It's saying, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to this problem is. How would you solve it? And letting them solve it. Um, and uh, you know, if you ever read um, Simon Sinek, it's, it's speaking last. You let everyone else talk and then you talk at the end. Mm-hmm. So there's no preconceived things. And, and often it's about having um, the senior people out of the room while the people at the coalface, so they can talk openly and honestly, and it might be one to one, et cetera. Uh, the other piece is, you do need that executive sponsorship. If you're going to change the way a whole business works, mm-hmm. you need to know that the executive is sponsoring that and they're bought into that. Mm-hmm. And, and as a um, uh, what's uh, as, as that sponsor, it's more than just being a figurehead or an ambassador, sort of making big speeches and stuff like that. You need to have someone in there that's, that, uh, that really has the vision of where it needs to go to. And that vision is important because otherwise you, you have nowhere to target. Um, and then that's slowly how you do it. And, and it's got to be, it's going to be slow. And then as people buy into it, it'll, it'll pick up momentum mm-hmm. um, and, it, and it is balancing a, a bit of where are we now versus where do we need to be so that you can keep directing and, and, and slightly adjusting the team as they go forward to make mm-hmm. sure they're hitting the target.
0: I see. Well, um, so lastly, before I let you go, can you tell us where people can find you and whatever social media you have? like?
1: Sure. So I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me at uh, Ryan Purvis. It's, it's um, probably the best one. And then on Twitter as Ryan Purvis. And then I also have a podcast, the Digital Workspace Works, um, which you can find um, on Twitter as well as uh, the DWW podcast. Um, Or you can find the podcast itself on, on iTunes and Spotify, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Sounds good. Well, thank you very much for coming onto my show today.